Put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick, down the ground, into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Tuesday, 11th of July, 2023, back for another episode of Town Podcast with your hosts, Zach and Toby. How are you, Toby? Good to be back. Good to be back, mate. Very good to be back. Happy days. Good to have you, mate. Good to have you. Yeah, I had a, had a, had a week off. I had a week off. My, my brother, Todd, subbed in for me. Um, but good to be back. Good to chat about some Tigers, no matter how upsetting some things might be. Um Quite glad I didn't. I wasn't on the last one, to be honest. Uh, that would have been. I listened to it. It was a little bit. Look, you guys put a very good spin on it. Let's not. Let's not. Uh, you know, let's let's not beat around the bushes on that. If I was on here, it would have been a little bit down in the dumps, depressing, angry, all that jazz. So probably a good thing I wasn't on it. Um, but yeah, no, good to be back. Yeah, mate, we carried the cross, so to speak, for you last week. I think you did. You did. But uh, yeah, yeah. Thank Todd for that, and you know he's always welcome to join whenever he wants. But yeah, this is uh, this is my podcast, not my brother's. So let's let's keep it that way. Yeah, well, that's a good way to look at it, I guess. Um, mate, you you've had a little bit of a hiatus, and we had a buy ourselves, and uh, and then obviously coming off the back of that Cowboys game at um seventy four block. Uh, it hasn't all been happy and rosy in Tiger Town of recent times. And there's a few other things, obviously, to talk about as well. But, mate, what are your thoughts on the last little run of uh, runabouts for us in the last month or so? Oh, it's been disappointing because both you and I were in agreement that uh, we were definitely moving forward, uh, regardless of what a lot of the score lines were showing. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like there's a couple of backward steps that have occurred. Uh, some... Um, due to certain personnel not being there. You know, we know how much once the attack really started understanding the way Appy plays, um, he leads from the front and attackers, I mean, in defense as well. Uh, is always off the line really quick. Um, you know, there, there's no sugarcoating how much of an impact he is and how much of a loss he was. But also, he doesn't make all the tackles. So a seventy-four nil scoreline is um, pretty diabolical. So I was hoping a few heads would roll because of that, but you know, one we probably don't have the people to step in unless we bring in juniors. But two, um, yeah, Sheens doesn't seem to do that as we know. So, but yeah, and then doesn't seem to bring bring in juniors. You mean or no change even if there's a flogging. Oh no, we'll be right. He does, yeah. He does tend to stick relatively solid, although he did make a few changes, I guess, off the back of that Cowboys game. But but a lot, yeah, of, I, a lot of them were forced changes. It wasn't like he wanted to or he decided to. They were injuries. Yeah, I guess some. I guess yeah, I guess you're right to some degree. Um, you can only do what you can do too when you your pickings are relatively slim. I think across mm-hmm. the club, especially yeah. when you look at first and reserve grade, there's only so many options and changes that you can make. And it's not like people are knocking the door down to get shots. So, 
No, that's um, true. I guess that, that that's a predicament. And when injuries and then things hit, that's that's going to um, exacerbate it, make it even worse. Mate, um, we'll obviously get to the game this week against the Knights a little bit later in the show. But I must say that immediately seeing Appy named in the side this week um, has brightened my mood and, and made me, I wouldn't say confident of going up to Newcastle and getting a win, but certainly um, just certainly buoyed, buoyed by the fact that uh, he's in the side. Definitely. Definitely. Like, um, our listeners recall at the start of this season, um, I thought... Like I was a little bit vocal of the fact that Appy just wasn't the same player he was at Penrith. But you, as being an astute football mind that you have, sort of brought it to everyone's eyes that it wasn't so much that Appy wasn't performing, it was everyone else around him wasn't up to his level. Um, And so as we started to, you know, I guess lift our game and get to the standard that Appy brings, it, it was it was very clear how dynamic he is and how important he is to our side and having him back is just a huge tick. It's a huge tick for us. So very excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so- I think, um, you know, when you mentioned injuries earlier and the, the role that played to our, our sort of downturn over the last month or so culminating in that Cowboys game, uh, I, I don't think it can be understated. And Todd and I spoke about this last week, um, how important, Appy is to the side and, and the club in general. Uh, not only what he brings in attack, but his leadership. Um, you look across the locker room, you see him lacing up. That's got to give you confidence. You're going to grow a leg or two. Uh, and the big one that uh, that I mentioned last week in in the conversation was that he leads our tempo in attack. So he leads our, leads our line speed. He's very often first man contact right in the middle there. And he gets through good 40-odd tackles a game and at the very least. So um, I think personally that Happy really does lead that tempo quite a lot, um, particularly in defence, line speed, uh, uh, kick chases, stuff like that. And so I think that's something that we did miss a lot through the middle. As, as serviceable as Jake was, he's certainly not a life for life, at least in the defensive mindset, certainly not attacking either, I guess. But mm. those are the little things that I think Appy um, doesn't get enough credit for. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention him being back in. Um, I guess, off the back of you referencing the fact we've had a couple of injuries and that played a role. I think it played probably a bigger role than maybe we, we gave it credit for at the time. But, hell, we're missing three quarters of our spine, aren't we? We are. We are. And, look, let, let's let's call a spade a spade. Um, Wakeham is passable, but he cannot carry a team. There, there's It's just not his role. Um He's there probably as your stock standard half that can sometimes direct a team around, but he needs that leadership as well. He's still young. He's only 23, so he's still quite young himself. Um, and I think I think you'll see how much of an impact Appy will have on him uh, in terms of giving him a little bit more relief of directing the team around. Like we we talked about this at the start of the year, uh, our first trial match against the Warriors. Um, we were like, I, I was very adamant. Brandon Wakem is not a uh, first grade half, but then again, as you have tendency to do, is uh, shine the new light on some people's thought processes and things. And you brought up the fact that well, it was an extremely young side, and he's young himself, and it was a bit of responsibility for him. So, 
I think you'll see this week. I think you'll see a probably more. What's the word I'm looking for? Probably, and not probably a more mature footballer in compared to what he has been. He'll probably be a little bit calmer in a lot of things. Um, but that's what Appy brings. Appy just brings that. You know, we've got that to an extent with Clemmer. You know, Clemmer is a war horse. You know, old head on his shoulders, but he's a basham and get up forward. He's not there driving. Uh, our line speed driving our forwards over the advantage line, things like that. So I'm so happy to have him back. And, you know, that's, mm. yeah, it's off our performance against the Sharks. And we'll talk about that a little bit later because that score line was, should not have been that score line, regardless. Um, you'll see, I think we are a different, we, we, I think we have a good chance of rectifying a very poor performance that we had against the Knights at the start of the year. Yeah, I think so too. And I think having Appy uh, back in that side is, um, not I think, obviously it goes without saying it's going to boost our chances, but at the very least, I think um, he's going to be a decent um, element of glue to that side and motivate them from that uh, from, from that uh, point, I guess, from that, that, that side of things. Uh, mate, the Sharks game, so... Final score, uh, 28-12, is that right? 30, 32-12, 36-12, I think. 32-12, 36-12. Yeah, because uh, I, think it, I oh. personally think it most definitely should have been 18-12. To us? No, no, to them. I don't see how it was <laughs> again. They still should have won. They were yeah. the better attacking side, but three of those tries should not have happened. Yeah, so... Before we get into the individual instances of those tries, obviously one of them was the Tommy Talao no try, which I think we'll probably jump ahead and say we both agree that it wasn't a try. Mm-hmm. Um, mate, what did you make of their approach to the game? How do you think the boys played? What did you like about the stuff that they did on Saturday? Uh, Thursday, I, sorry. Thursday, yeah. Been a, almost a full week. Um, hmm. Look, I think that we can both agree that the way the back row is structured is better for everyone. <laughs> it was, you know, Bateman tightened up that right side. Um, Pole was strong in the middle. Um, and funnily enough, I think Safar surprised me the most. That ball, the ball, wow. Like, just wow. Mm. That was perfectly timed right at the line. Yeah, Bloor did very, very well in running a perfect line through that hole. But yeah, very, uh, very surprised with that. Um, I think, I think there was a lot more want is probably the way I'm sort of wording that. There was a lot more, you know, passion's probably not the right word, but it's more, you know, that there's that feeling that we don't want to be embarrassed again. So there was a lot more effort than there was against the yeah, show. One of it for sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, and you can see that, and it's all those one percenters that we always talk about. You know, stuff like line speed, kick chase, all that sort of stuff. Even contesting, we didn't contest all their kicks. We didn't get all our kicks right, but we definitely contested on a yeah on a healthy number of them, I guess. And and to that point, they made a couple of errors from bombs. And you watch stuff like that, and you go, that's that's it baffles you why that doesn't happen more often. I guess to be mm-hmm. perfectly frank. 
when you see people get a result from kicks outside in particular, and it comes off the back of uh, contesting it, you, you got to wonder why so many times. But yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that they had a much better showing, and obviously that scoreline flooded the Sharks, there's no doubt. 18-12 uh, it was when Tommy Talao pulled in a high ball. Now, I would say probably before about 2003, 2004, that's try every day of the week. It probably was for about 100 years. Uh, because he went up for the ball. It was a contest and he came down with the ball and scored the try and planted it fine. Um, he does at some point, though, the ball goes from two hands to one. It then touches Hines' arm briefly and then he regains control on the way to the ground. Letter of the law, that's a knock-on. I'm happy to concede that, happy to cop that one. Yep. But then, obviously, we're going to uh, the next three tries after that which is obviously the Katoa try, the Nico Hines try, and was it the other Katoa try? Yeah. I forget the, the final one. So Katoa knocks the ball on down the field. Was it the, I think it was the very next set, wasn't it? I want to go all the way back to that, to the actual the, to our try. They went yeah. over that with a microscope, but yet they somehow missed Nico Hines touch the ball before it touched Talao. That should have been, mm, that should have been a goal line dropout. They should have never even had that chance. That's the thing I don't understand. And, you know, I've talked about, <laughs> I, I've used the word a fair few times, uh, conspiracy theory. <laughs> but how in that exact same frame, in the exact same motion, you don't see that when everyone else is, because even the commentators said it. Even the commentators said, well, what about the Nico Hines knock on? Oh, okay, they're not looking at that. And then they just went on. That's the thing I don't, like... How that can be let go is baffling again. And there's so many times we've talked about this on this pod about how it goes up to the video ref who have every angle available. They have um, slow motion. They have, you know, zoom, everything. And they still miss it. And when I say miss it, I use that with air quotes. Because something tells me they didn't miss it. Because it's not, it, it's very, very, it's very, very, um, it, it's very, very obvious. So it's yeah. frustrating. Uh, yeah, no doubt. And and it's, as you said, to use your word baffling, uh, it, it is baffling because their job is to make sure, is to check everything, every component. If there's a contest, you need to make sure that, that contest is cleared. Now, I don't remember hearing the video rep in that instance actually clear the contact of Nico into Talao. Uh, I don't I don't recall him making mention of that. So that's just something he's missed. We've seen a myriad of instances this year where a try is scored from a kick and the players are offside by a hair, but a visible hair, whether it's a foot or a half metre or something, it's on the video replays that you see, yet they don't bother even checking that. You know, they should have a checklist on stuff like that that they must check and go through because the process is supposed to be rigorous. Either it's a try or it's not a try. And if you're going through instances where tries could be disallowed, something like a kick, for example, the very first thing that you check is are the, are the chases that are involved on side. If they're not, you don't bother checking anything else. So if Talao is on side, you clear that, you then move to the contest. During that contest, you then need to look at both players and see, one, who touches the ball first? Do they take control? Do they lose it? 
and then you've got to see what the interactions are in the air as well. So, uh, yeah, look, obviously it's a no try. I can cop we didn't get the ball back off the back of that. So that's one of those rough calls. I'm not tearing my hair out about that, to be honest. It wasn't as if we were denied a certain try as we've had. I'm not, worse I'm not worried about the no try at all. I, th- yeah. I agree we've with that. We've had, yeah, we've had worse tries go against us in the last couple of years, no doubt. So uh, I can cop that one. But, yeah, if you're happy to, we might move on to the, the next one, which was the Katoa try. And to your point, they confirmed that try within the space of about 15, 20 seconds or something there or thereabouts. I only saw two replays live uh, from what I saw. I think I was watching Channel 9, which was a uh, um, fool to be me to be watching the Channel 9 coverage, but yeah, I, I only saw a couple of replays before they confirmed that try and Katoa clearly loses control of the ball and dro- knocks it on, clearly, clear as day clear in the Talao one Yeah, and this is the thing like <clears throat> you, you have instances like this and examples like this and from somebody like a, you know, not a avid Tiger supporter who follows them all the time, sees this happen week in, week out they see something like that, they they'd be baffled. They'd be sitting there going, "I, how was that given?" And then we sit there and like, because this is the Tigers, and we get calls like that against us all the time. So it's just like, in all honesty, like <clears throat> we'll go over the other two tries and stuff like that. But one mistake like that, I can cop on the chin. I I cop on the chin, but I cop it hard on the chin. Three that very clearly went up to the uh, up to the bunker, and yeah, it's and and not exactly well, not not looked at properly at all. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating. It's so frustrating. And is it is it a case then of, of many people? And I've actually heard this argument, whether it's by punters or media personnel, they. It's almost along the lines of oh, it's just the Tigers, or it's um something like uh yeah, it, it's just the Tigers, or something along the lines of they mention the final scoreline. They say, oh, what is that? What that one try or those two tries? It was thirty six twelve or thirty two twelve. What are you whinging about? They they did you easy, and it's a completely moot point because you start an entirely parallel universe if Katoa is correctly ruled to have knocked on. It all of a sudden is 18-12 and we've then got a seven-tackle set and 20-metre restart. The game then goes in an entirely different direction. It might go in a similar direction, but at that point, compared to what did happen, the game couldn't go in an entirely different direction. We've got seven-tackle set, we've got possession in a six-point ball game. But it's also, like you also, you hear it time and time again, how important momentum is. How important it is. Now, what that did was we had... A lot of that momentum heading into the set after the second half. We had a lot of it. And if that call, if all these calls went correctly, our momentum, momentum wouldn't have really swung that much, I don't believe. Or well, it could have, but there's a highly unlikely because momentum is a very hard thing to swing without scoring a try or without, you know, something decent happening or, you know, one of those big shots happening or things like that. But we had all the momentum. And then, the poor decision from the Talao knock-on, and then that completely swung momentum. 
It halted everything we were building because you have to think of it too. Like I sometimes sit there and, you know, wonder what must those senior players that have played for other clubs be thinking? Like you can see sometimes that Bateman's probably looking around going, I don't understand how this is happening. I don't understand how these are getting so wrong. Appy, I, I said it in a couple of pods ago. You can see Appy just looking frustrated, going, oh, he's like, he's come from Penrith where he gets all the calls go his way. Then he comes to the Tigers and realizes, oh, there is actually another side to the coin. And so you think about the younger guys, they probably sit there going, what's the point? You know, we can try our asses off. We can do everything we can. But when these calls don't go our way and they literally should, it's not, you know, a 50-50 call. It's not a bounce of the ball. It is literally a call that should go our way. They put their hands up and they go, well, what can we do? What's the point? Yeah, I know. And that's really frustrating, particularly for a side that's trying to scrape their way up the bottom of, of the the table. Oh, um, but the Sharks need to be need in the top that. four. You need them to be in the top four. That's probably what they're thinking. Yeah. As, I, as I've said, said repeatedly to you, I'm not quite with you on the, that level of conspiracy, but I, I understand the sentiment exactly. And uh, I played I played a fair bit of footy and a fair bit of sport, I, I must say, growing up, a lot of different sports. And um, I played in some really successful sides, but I played in a lot of sides that really struggled. And I tell you firsthand that it damn well feels as though you just don't get called in those situations. And we've spoken about unconscious bias and stuff like that before. Yeah, look, maybe that's a thing, but um, I don't know. But to be honest, that game should have been a lot closer. And I don't think many of us entered that game expecting to win, considering not only the form we're in, the form they were in, where we find each other, each team on the table, respectively. The fact that we're missing three quarters of our starting spine, the only spine member we're not missing, was uh, is a seven-game rookie, a 21-year-old fullback, who wasn't even playing football eight months ago. And then our replacement 5'8 got scratched from the game the day before and we had to bring in a 32-year-old reserve grader to make his club debut. So, you know, considering who we had on the park the other night, if you take those few calls out, it's a one-try game. And that's and so from, something you can from that point, of. Yeah, from that point, there's probably not a lot more we could have asked of them. And they weren't even... They weren't even... They weren't perfect either. They had a lot of improvement in their game. You know, you look at the bounce of the ball in certain uh, areas. That beautiful kick Blake can put through for AJ and it just tunnel balls under him right in front of him. A Melbourne or a Penrith or not so much a Roosters this year, but a Rabbitohs or a Brisbane or someone, that pops up right into the bread basket for them. And the, and the, the covering defender slips over and he runs around under the post all the time in the world. Yeah, just some clubs, the ball just tends to bounce for and yeah, it's few and far between for us. But if you strip away some of that stuff, I guess that was a performance in many ways to be proud of, considering, yeah, not only who we're missing, but the age of that side that you alluded to before. They mentioned it on the on the coverage I was watching, something along the lines of 23-year-old average age or something. Youngest youngest side we've ever fielded. Average yeah, age. And that, in, and that includes a side that has the likes of Bateman and Clemmer, and these types of guys in that side. So, yeah, look, it, um, losses are never never enjoyable, but 
yeah, I guess coming off the back of that 74 lot, they had to respond and, and they did, considering we fielded almost exclusively a reserve grade site, particularly that back line. <laughs> Todd and I mentioned that last week. We actually went through everybody playing seven to one or one to seven. And I, I could have sworn that that exact one to seven had turned out for the Magpies this year earlier. But anyway, I digress. That's just, is, that is where we, we are where we are at the moment. So anyway, moving on a little bit. Um, who who caught your eye in that game? You mentioned well, you a couple of names there. You don't want to talk about the two other tries that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, we can. I just I I got a, a a bit away and we sort of we're um we're harping a bit, but let's go through them. So the Nico. Oh, Howard I want to harp. Uh, isn't this isn't this I'll the talk, whole point? I'll talk of, about uh, that one. Well, isn't this the whole point of this pod? Is to just basically vent and it's cathartic. That's what we do. Oh, quite. Quite possibly, mate. Yeah, it's all it's all cathartic. But uh, I'll talk about the Hines one because I actually forget the third one that you're talking about. So the Hines one for me is as cut and dry as it comes. And whilst you refocus your camera there, I'll go through why I think that it's uh, that way. And it's not because he promoted the the ball for mine. It's because we saw with Steph earlier in the year, if you recall, that he promoted the football when sliding towards the line, which not is not in and of itself a double movement by default if your body ends up in the end goal. Nico Hines' body does not end up in the end goal. So he, he, he does slide, but he slid from about three metres out to about half a metre out, where only the ball in his arm was in, and does the world's biggest promotion. So I, I just... I, it completely blew me away the fact that they even needed a replay to rule that a double movement. How it even went up as a try from the the soft call from the ref in the first place is almost hilarious. You know, had he slid into the end goal, yeah, that's a try. By the letter of the law, we had one of them with Steph earlier in the year that was contentious at the time. And it's quite remarkable, actually, how much chat that got in the NRL universe, the Steph try, yet how little nobody cared about the Nico Hines one, despite the fact he didn't even slide into the end goal at all. So, yeah, that one to me was, yeah, I, I almost smiled. I think I might have smiled when it happened. Not because I enjoyed it, but just because I, it was just a case of going, well, I don't know who was in the bunker that night, but they were, yeah, they were they were off. They were a couple of rues short in the top paddock, that one. 100%. There's not much more I can add to that because... <laughs> I uh, yeah, it's look. It's funny that you say that they uh they they blew up about it, not blew up about it, but it blew up in the media about Steph's try and not about Nico Hines. Look, it's leading a little bit towards a conspiracy theorist again. Who knows? But um, the third try was actually Katoa's last try in the last minute when he dived over and Buller actually knocked the ball out of his hands and then put his hand under the ball. How that was given a try? Oh, I don't know. You know, the the funniest thing is I saw someone on a Facebook group that I have with the West Tigers and he's like showed a screenshot of the ball down with his finger planted on it. But yet he didn't show the screenshot prior to that where there was clear separation from his finger to the ball. So it's just fun. Like it's it's fun being a West Tiger supporter when not only are the you know the cards stacked up against you, 
uh, it's just added on from, look, I'll go away from the conspiracy theorists and just say incompetence. Like, the amount of mistakes that are made from the bunkers is sometimes... It's burning. It, well, it's... it's yeah. any, in any other job, you make that many mistakes, you boot it. Yeah. But... And I think the... I think the football punter at large, generally speaking, can, um, oh, I guess, not not forgive mistakes, but I guess it would be more something along the lines of saying, look, I understand the 50-50s aren't always going to fall their way. It can be frustrating, especially if you don't seem to get any of them. Uh, however, uh, to your point, if you're in a different job and you're constantly making these types of mistakes, then... Um, yeah, it's and, and some and some big ones too. I mean, how many more resources do the people in the bunker need? They get every single angle possible, and they've even got their get out of jail free card. With we don't have enough evidence, so th- there's there's no reason to get decisions that are objective incorrect. No, maybe you put three people in there. Maybe you have a best of three, and you have three bunker officials that that decide on what majority rules we press the button. I don't know what the what the situation of the case is. To be like, honest, you know, an, inter- an interpretation is an interpretation, right? And Ennisley sometimes will come out on the Monday and he'll say something like, "This is how that rule was interpreted. Here is why." And you can disagree with the interpretation. But the referee's boss's interpretation is the only one that matters. So fair enough in those instances, right? But like the examples that we've spoken about, and and the couple of tries or the three tries for that, to your point that we mentioned. They're not an interpretation issue. They're not how I perceive the rule. They're, they're the rule. cut and dry, black and white. That is the rule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah they're the rule. It's, you know, it, it's baffling. Again, I think I've used that word like six times in this pod because that's what it was by the end of it. I was just hands in the air and not waving like I just don't care. They were just, yeah. It was, yeah, well... Probably probably best to move away from, I guess, what went wrong and what went right. For me, I'm happy to say... I thought we were harping. I thought we were, when we, aren't we harping? Yeah, but I've got nothing else to we're harp moving about. Oh, right. Sorry. Well, I've, got a, lot, I've got a lot to harp about. I've got a lot to yeah. harp about, but like we don't when have I mentioned that before, you just had a, bit, you had a bit more harping to do. Is that, that That's all it was? Yeah, I think that was a bit it. I think I think I think the listeners okay. needed to know what my frustrations are and what they were, and um, feel some form of sympathy. Hey, mate, you've had you've had several several weeks to build it up, so you're probably just ready to yeah. get it all at the floodgates open. Yeah, look, you know, it's I haven't been able to vent. Well, I have been able to vent, but I think my wife's getting sick of it. Just, so, <laughs> well, we certainly are in our private chat. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not going to get over that. No, no, you're right. Uh, okay, all right. It was worth a shot anyway. No. Hey, mate, um, <laughs> what did you like about the game? Did it, was there any performances that stood out to you? Um, probably one that stood out for me probably in a wrong, probably not in the best way was probably Tupo. I love his returns. His confidence under the high ball is a bit concerning for me he's dropped a few easy sitters uh last couple of weeks 
Um, and two of them actually almost led one definitely led to a try. The other one was, you know, obviously taken away because I think Ramian obstructed or pushed a um a blocker. But yeah, so he pushed was it Tower? Tower, yeah. Or yeah, so he pushed Tower actually into Tupo before he touched the football. I dare say that's probably one of the main reasons he dropped the footy. I guess in those situations, a little bit of contact mid-air, you probably should be good enough to take him. But he, I don't think he Tower, actually contacted him. That was the thing. I think. Yeah, no, no, so he did. But then they showed a subsequent angle twice later that didn't look like it. But the first angle you clearly see, his elbow contacts his leg and his leg moves a few inches to the right before he touches the ball. Uh, but they didn't show that you angle after that. You don't catch the ball with your legs. I do. How do you catch it? Oh, you never caught a footy. Okay. Um, oh, I've caught a footy. Uh, when, uh, when I was a water in, boy yeah, from the past. When you're in, um, when you're in the air, any sort of bump or anything, anything can throw you off. So I, once I saw that red flag, I was like, oh, I'll forgive you a little bit for that. So understood. But um, yeah, I, I, I get your point. I, I do about Dupo. I think, I think young players in those back three are going to have moments like that. Now we've seen Buller, oh, contested contested ball, but we've seen him drop the, a couple in the last couple of weeks as well. And I no, think that I, I don't, I don't disagree. Like I don't, we'll see a bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt that. And I'm not. That's the thing. I'm not um chastising uh, Tupo or anything like that. I'm just saying it's a little bit concerning. Um, and I, I am going to put this straight away down to um, I guess his inexperience. Same thing. Excuse me, with Buller, a lot of that stuff. Like Buller's a freak of nature. Um, very, very happy. He's ours until twenty twenty six, I think. That's when he re-signed too. Correct me if I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Um, he was signed until the end of this year. I think he extended for two, so that'd be the end of twenty twenty five. I think. Okay. Yeah, and that's when the Roosters will come calling. Um, <laughs> so. It's a fair while, mate. It's another. Another two years after this year, and uh, that gives us till November next year, I think, to extend him. Which I know the club, from what we've heard, is keen to. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Carry on. Um, but from, like I think I mentioned just you know at the start of the pod, the thing that I was happy about or pleased about was the the back back row reverting back to the way that's been working, um, and it was very clear that it works. I think that we tied up like, you know, Paul A tied up that middle very, very well. He's not the, he's not a ball playing lock yet. He could be, but like you, you, you've mentioned it time and time again, his quick feet is definitely worrying for the defense. But the thing that um, I think doesn't get enough credit from him is how much he ties up that middle. Um, you know, he, the the edge that the three edge players they do the most work or the most they make the the most important decisions in defense I believe you know your back row your center your wing they all make the most important decisions um in defense but a strong middle can definitely make it a lot easier on them three and I think that's what he does I think he has very good first contact um he definitely slides well which is great um and he's like you watch him out of marker. He's, yeah, there's a couple of instances at the start of the year. He was a little bit lazy and a few things went through the middle, like a few very quick hookers went through the middle. Um, 
but he's improved on that out of sight. And that's really pleasing for me. Like, you know, he only played the back end of last year and he's played every game this year. Um, but if he has deficiencies in his game, you see that there's an improvement almost instantly. It's like he watches tape of himself and he knows where to do it or Benji's working close with him or Ferner, probably Ferner more than anyone um, is working close with them about their deficiencies. And he's not, you know, he's not an offer in the fact that he'll improve for a couple of weeks and then revert back to his old ways. He seems to take it on board and he just keeps improving. And so that's super, like you've, you've rated Pole well before he even debuted and there's, very clear reason why. Um, you know, and the, which makes very me, young too. Yeah, which makes me very excited because you also have another young guy coming through that you rate very, very highly in Fargutu. Um so that's if if you keep nailing these on the head, we got some real guns coming through. So oh, yeah, well um we don't talk about the ones that I missed. <laughs> but yeah, you have a, you have a better strike rate than I do. So the, the problem the problem is I just read I just read too much and I just follow too much of the junior grade uh, ad nauseum almost a little bit. But um, no, I enjoy it. I, I really do. I enjoy seeing the names and uh, enjoy yeah hearing and, and watching what the young guys are doing because I, I'm a big believer that the development thing is something we should have been doing for the last 25 years. But uh, I believe that that's the way you build a successful club. Particularly in our predicament, we've spoken about that before. So we did we did it quite well for a little that. bit. We did it quite well for a little bit. We brought Moses, Tedesco, Woods, and Brooks through together, and then we just yeah. stuffed that up royally. Yeah, and coincidentally, all the funding drained out—not coincidentally, all the funding drained out of the junior development system at the time that they were sort of out the door because the clubs were going in a different direction and they wanted to start spending and buying. So it's no coincidence that. It's been bone dry in that in that area in the junior system in many ways for the last eight or nine years since they left, or three quarters of them left, uh, because yeah, quite simply the funding wasn't there, which it now it tenfold is back back up and running. So really pleasing to see. But um, I liked uh, what Bloor did, to be honest, and to to be frank, I think that's two games in a row that he was. He was okay. I know the Cowboys game was hard to see anything positive, but he was about the only bloke who had a decent crack in the Cows game and, and played some bigger minutes. And he's been in the side for a little bit now, but I think where he's at at the moment, him coming off the bench in that edge slash pseudo middle, middle role, I think he played a bit more middle uh, on the weekend to start. And then I just think he might have shifted out to an edge at some point where obviously he got through on that beautiful lineup of safe half try. What I, I would like to see Bloor a bit bigger, to be honest. I think he's a little bit slight for the game that he likes to play, but he does it pretty well. I, I like the fact that he's got a high work rate, a high motor. But he also provides impact, and it's a really unusual combination, and, and he can run lines. I don't see him having any great deficiencies in his game, which is, which is wonderful. And I don't see Sean Bloor as a superstar necessarily, but I see him as a very solid player, a very up-tempo player. And the type of person I was talking before about how the likes of Appy and whatnot can lead that tempo in defence, I see Bloor as being able to do the same. I'm not saying he does it all the time or every set, but I can see him growing into that type of player because he seems like the type of player that Todd and I spoke about last week, a momentum changer. Uh, we saw that in his debut when he took Nathan Brown on head first 
who at the time was, I think he was an Origin player at the time. And uh, he was, yeah, he was a kid, 19 year old kid. And he said, he basically just said, run at me three times in a row and I'll whack you every single time. Yeah. And so I think he had that capacity. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that. Was it the Cowboys game where he made that clean break up the middle? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. Or no, maybe he made so. two, two clean breaks. Yeah, oh, wasn't the possibly. Game before, possibly. I think I think I dog. personally erased that game from my memory. If I th- if I'm being honest, <laughs> the last month has been a bit of a blur. If I'm being honest, too, I get confused as to who we play when. Uh, Canberra, I think what we do: Canberra, Melbourne, Gold Coast. Is that how it works? Canberra, Gold Coast, Melbourne. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, and he scored that great try on the weekend. So I was really pleased with that. Uh, to your point, you mentioned earlier. I thought Seafarth had a really good game. And I think we've said all along the CFAR. Excuse me. So I'd choose that. Uh, if CFAR can get rid of the penalties and the errors in his game, then he's a solid, he's a solid squad player, and he's the sort of player that you sort of want in that thirty-man squad. Would you agree? Yes, because he that we've never we've never questioned his effort. His effort has never been a question. It has been the fact that sometimes he is the. Uh, He's the, the the tuber in the string section. Doesn't need to be there and just makes that stupid error. Other times he's just stupid in terms of giving away a penalty that doesn't need to be given and the momentum completely shifts. And then other times he was, for a while there, he was, you know, odds on for a couple of very clean errors that were unforced. Um, So, but yeah, the last month, He's been serviceable. He's been improving. I'm wondering if, you know, that's somewhat something about, you know, just simplify game. I just need you to run. I need you to tackle. That's all I need you to do. Um, but in saying that, he was a, he was that link a lot against the, sh- the Sharks. He was the pass out the back, um, either the, the wraparound or the offload. Um, so... Yeah, he's, yeah, not th- quite, he's, he's not surprisingly good hands, doesn't he? He does. He does. Um, so, you know, if he can keep that up, I think he's off contract this year or is it next year? Yeah. Now he's off contract this year. I'd yeah. put him on a, you know, 300000 for two years. He'd definitely be serviceable. Yeah. three hundred for two? Yeah. Or three hundred, three hundred, uh per year? Per year. Per year, he. I okay. don't think. Yeah. Hundred and fifty is a. I think the base for a top thirty these days is two hundred. So. No, the base is one twenty, but the NRL are proposing that it become one fifty by twenty twenty seven. Isn't isn't one twenty? Isn't one twenty New South Wales Cup players? No. No, is that one twenty is minimum wage at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's not bad minimum yeah. wage. But dollars aside, it's probably a good segue, mate. There's a few people that are off contract, and we've obviously got our squad issues at the moment, which no doubt the club is working overtime to try to patch up. Yeah. And uh, as we continue to try to move forward in this plan, this this development, this junior, bring the juniors through and hopefully we build a a strong club plan. Uh, We are where we are. Let's be honest, mate. There's a a few players that are off contract at the end of this year. The big ones, Dane Laurie, um, not big ones, but the notable ones, I guess, so far, Dane Laurie, Charlie Staines is another one. Brandon Wakeham is another one. Yeah, uh, mate. Who, honestly, considering the spots we have available, would you re-sign? 
and how long would you re-sign them for? And maybe give me give me one, and we'll just bounce back a, uh, and forward if you if you even have one, or if you let. I them probably walk, have two. I that. probably have two. One is by necessity. The other is because before he was injured, he was one of our best. So I'd sign Charlie Staines to a two-year deal. Uh, I think he proved his worth before he was injured. The fact that he played that whole um, that whole game again, I can't remember who he injured himself against, but I think it was before the Penrith game. Um, was it a perforated stomach? Bow. Bow. Perforated bow. Yeah. Played the whole game through that. It's a pretty tough bloke. Um, so I definitely mm-hmm. sign him. I think he's our starting winger by far. Uh, him and Tupac. Well, he's a goer. He, he was a goer, wouldn't he? You know, yeah, he, was, he brought the ball back into the he team. Was, there was no you know, fear. He's a lightweight, but there was no fear. Yeah, he's not just um, he's not just blinding speed, but useless as a footballer. He he brought to be perfectly honest, he brought a little bit more as a footballer than I thought he would, and I was really excited about what he was doing. His finishing ability was brilliant. His meterage out of the backfield was fantastic. So I yeah, I would love to see him back. Yeah, same. So he's one I'd love to resign, and obviously the other one by necessity is Wakem. Um, whether he's our starter next year or not, regardless, he's done a serviceable job, serviceable job, and he could be a very handy backup uh, in case you know something happens. If just in case you know we sign um Jerome Hughes and he's a backup for him, so that's not going to happen. Get okay. on the cards, is it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm here in the media where where um you know we're tied to every half going at the moment, so. Mm. Even if they're not going, even if, if they're not going, contract, you know, four years, yeah. Okay, so those two, so Dan Laurie can't find a spot for him. Seafarth can't find a spot for him. Look, um, Dan Laurie, I'd probably still re-sign him. Uh, look, we won't have um, Brooks on the cards next year. I think we've have we even filled up our thirty this year. I don't think we have. I think we still no, have one spot. No, we're 29, 29 spots available. Uh, first first week in August, first Monday in August. Yeah. Um, so we've still got, uh, you know, three weeks on. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd keep Laurie in a couple of years. Um, I think he is a 5'8". Uh, I think he didn't get enough of a show uh, against the Cowboys, which, you know, it's... um. Again, he's not the reason we lost. We lost because we don't know how to defend. And at the same time, like you guys said on the pod last week, it was one of those games where everything went their way. Everything. Um, so I'd sign him for another two years, I think. Um, You'd do two? I'd do two. Man. Yep. Stay fast. Look, I think we've got better juniors coming through, to be honest. Um you know, if if they re-sign him, I wouldn't like if he re-sign him and he keeps up playing the way he is now, I wouldn't put my hands up and say why. Uh I think he probably has done enough to prove that he can handle that. But I would personally use that for a Matamua Matamua or um you know, maybe maybe a, a James. I think Astarty James. He that guy's legs are huge. Absolutely huge. Yeah. It remind me of when uh, Junior Totola de- debuted for us. I was at that game live, actually. And I remember sitting there looking and going, holy crap, he's like, I'm a big guy, 
and I reckon his thighs were bigger than my waist. They were huge. Mm. So yeah, there's look, there's definitely a lot of forwards, fringe forwards and forwards that are coming through that can fill similar roles to Seafarth. I think I think Seafarth has probably uh, got himself to at a stage, at least how he's playing this year, where his development has been uh, he he somewhat, I guess, completed his development, if that makes sense. He sort of hit his ceiling in a positive way. I think he's become a, a good backup player now. I think he's a fringe, a good fringe first grader that if he's in the side, I'm certainly not inspired, but I'm not overly worried anymore. I think he would do it. I think he does a good job. But like you mentioned, there's a few names that you mentioned there. You know, James, Matamu, we've got Kit Lally, who's banging the door down in flag. We've got Fagutu, who's going to need a shot soon. He's 19. We've got um, Tumut, who's there, still there coming through. We've got... Uh, uh, Brendan Webster Mansfield, I think he's in top 30 next year, who's development contract. We've got uh, Sione Fainu, who's now starting at lock in reserve grade, who's the eldest or the second eldest, either one of the Fainu brothers are trying to get across from Manly. You know, and that's that's not even mentioning a whole host of others. We've still got Twole, who can't make the run on side. We've got Sean Blue, who can't make the run on side in, at full strength. So I don't think that we lose too much by not signing it, re-signing a CFAS or someone, no. to be honest. I think someone like a Dane Laurie, personally, has to be in the 30. I'd only give him 12. I like what you did with Staines. I'd almost give Staines two with the third mutual. Um, uh, Staines is young, and, and I don't see a massive winger upgrade anytime soon. I'd give him almost three Staines, yeah. to be honest, because I, I'm, I can see well, Charlie Staines, he win a premiership in Penrith. Did he yep. play in a premiership winning side? Yeah, yeah. He did? Yeah. He was on the I wing. Think last, I think last time. year. I think last year he was on the wing. Okay. Well, there you go. With Kalen Mayer, was he? Yes. Possibly. I believe so. Either like, way, he's certainly heavily featured in their squads in the last couple of years in premiership winning squads. So it's not as if, you know, he's good enough to be a premiership winning winger. So do you really need much more of an upgrade than a Charlie Stane? If one comes along, sure. We don't have any juniors banging the door down as elite level wingers, and he might not necessarily be elite, but he definitely offers plenty. He offers he plenty. Almost, a lot of be the, well, if you look at Nofa, him and Junior Tupo, there's no other out and out wingers I can think of. We've got Asuka Power starting on the wing for goodness sake this week, who was a second rower to start the year. Need I remind everybody? Staines has an argument to say that. He's, he's probably, particularly the, the games he's featured this year, our best winger in the club at the moment. Yeah. Supo's had his moments, but he's super green. And Nofaluma's Nofaluma. He's just rocks and diamonds when he can be bothered. So, um, yeah, three, bugger it. Three for Staines for me. And I'd, I'd re-sign Laurie to a 12-month. I'd put that to him and say, let's just go year on year at the moment and see how, how things pan out. Uh, I'd like to have him in the squad. I think Wakeham, to your point as well, I think Wakeham, I'd do him 12 months. Yeah. Similar, maybe slightly upgraded on this year's deal, considering that he's, he's played starting half back for, or starting half for the vast majority of the season. So he probably deserves a little extra 50K bump or something as a thank you. Uh, and I mean, in the last five or six weeks, he's literally carried the side. He might not have done the most bang up job, but he's been trying his best out there, the young fella. So, Good on him for that, 12 months in that regard. And yeah, Seafarth's probably the one I cut loose, but I'd have to look and see how many spots we've got available next year before I go dishing out yeah. freebies. Because I do know that Tim Sheens has been giving them out with the development players like they're Skittles. I heard the other day that Lachlan Galvin, who 
Yeah. Another one of our guns coming through. Big rangey five eight. Top thirty squad. He, um, next year. Yeah. 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 So it got leaked by him randomly in an interview that hadn't been announced anywhere that he was in the top thirty next year. So I'm assuming that has been a recent development because. As far as I was concerned, he wasn't even on a development contract for next year. He was signed to junior contracts, but oops, excuse me, sorry. Um, yeah, just featured in Australian schoolboy, so he's only 18 years of age. Uh, think talent to silver, but uh, not that talent is super physically developed for his age, but he's still physical, physical enough. Uh, I don't know how Galvin would go, particularly if he was, he plays 5'8", but he could play back row in a three, he'll end up when he fills out, but the type of body like his, He's going to take three or four years to really fill out. So, uh, yeah, my concerns in terms of how Sheens has done that has been, well, I don't know, interesting to say the least. You know, he was yeah. the one who signed Tristan Riley over, who hasn't featured in a game. He was the one who put Sione Fayunu in, who hasn't featured in a game. And there's always, every club has players like that, but we seem to have quite a few. So, depending on what we had available spaces-wise, would, I guess, depend on those types of decisions, wouldn't they? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you also mentioned there was one person that you mentioned there, but you did mention he's off contract is Noffa. So Noffa is off contract as well. You don't re-sign him. Uh, he's not off contract. I'm pretty. Are you he's sure? not off contract to the end of 2025? Yep, it's a horribly long contract. No, I'll I'm, for I'm, you now, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's can you confirm that for me? Because I really, I feel like he's at the end of a very long contract. Yep, so Nofaluma is on contract with the Tigers for a further three years. Uh, he's due to remain with the joint venture until at least the end of the 2025 season. Yeah, I thought he was off contract. Yeah. But at least he's been tapped on the shoulder yep. to take and look somewhere else. He has been, yeah, and wouldn't be overly disappointed if that was to happen, would we? Nope, not at all. It's, no. uh, it's a drain on our cap. Hey, mate, um, this Friday... The West Tigers play Newcastle Knights. Should we have a little bit of a look at the gap, upcoming game? What do you think? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna skip over the fact that we're signing Brody Croft. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100 percent skipping over that fact because that's not happening. Good times. Uh, it's, um, it's funny that it's funny to be in this position when you've got money because everybody, as you mentioned before, they just throw your club's name uh, next to anyone, basically. And just yep. hope that something sticks. But the club will not be signing Brody Croft. <laughs> uh, Aiden Aiden Caesar is a possibility, considering he might be coming back as a stopgap. But uh, yeah, but I don't know that those guys are really on the radar, truly. But I guess we'll find out. Something will happen because every other club that has money seems to be moving and shaking. Yeah, Bulldogs in particular just they meet with everyone and sign everyone. Yet it's complete crickets from us. So. Hopefully that's because the leaks have slowed down and not because we're just doing bugger all. Well, um, I, read to, I read today there was one name that I was going to float to you because he's off contract because he, and he had an absolute blinder and he is a half, uh, is Blake Taff. I was going to say there's a yeah. potential, but I read today that apparently he's had a meeting with Gus and the Bulldogs. Well, he did. He did, but Gus has met with a lot of people. He meets with just about bloody everybody, I think, and... He doesn't fit into that side. You've got Carl Luapu, who they who they think is a lock now, even though they signed him from Brisbane because Brisbane wanted to play him as a hooker, or they possibly wouldn't run him as a as a five eight straight away as an eighteen year old. He's a five eight. Carl Luapu is a five eight. Matt Burton is a five eight. They've just signed signed Toby Sexton, and so 
what are they what are they going to do? How many halves do they want at that club? Wasn't weren't they, you know, on, uh, weren't they looking at someone else's club? No, they're talking about Tino with the pub Tino with the pub deal. No, another uh, half. Oh, Jaden Sullivan. Jaden. That Sullivan. was it. Jaden Sullivan. St George yeah. is another one. Yep. And they got Stephen Crichton to play fullback. So if Taft goes there, he'll play. He would be fighting for Matt Burton for the five eight spot. So not happening. And he's not a he's not a halfback. So, but <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Not only given his game the other night, but he was exceptional. I watched that game really closely because actually, because I wanted to watch him among others, but he was awesome. He was really good. I'd sign Blake Taft as a 5'8 tomorrow. Yeah. Considering where we're at, considering what we've got at the moment, I'd sign him tomorrow to play 5'8. Yeah. Good. Me too. I'm glad we're both on the same page, but we won't because that's a smart decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they, he would have to agree to it, but obviously, have to, have to agree to an offer, but. Yes, yeah, so have to wait and see. But before we do look at Newcastle game, even though I brought up the fact that we should do that in a minute, uh, there's been a lot of talk and speculation about the Fayuno brothers, Samuel and Latu. They're obviously not conjoined twins. They are separate individuals. But it seems as though it's a bit of a package deal at this stage. It seems as though they've decided to leave Manly. I spoke last week about how one of the relatives of them had posted on the Manly page the fact that um, uh, just thanking Manly for all the, everything they did for the boys over the years and that they'll uh, mainly always hold a special place in their family's heart. Scudderbutt out of the um, out of the uh, club last week, not out of the club, sorry, just out of the, the Twitter sphere or the rumour mill, was that um, Tartak, their manager, who also manages a few of our younger stock in our stable as well, DDS and Josh Felidi, just to name a couple, uh, isn't Super, I guess, won over or overwhelmed by our pitch. It's not the money issue. I think he has concerns, apparently, about the way the club's heading or the direction. And if there's truth to that, which it seems as though it's come straight from the horse's mouth, from what I've seen, um, then it's going to be a situation where we have to sit there and try and figure out, uh, one, have we allowed a... The connection with Scott Fulton and, and a family, uh, a, a good couple of young up-and-coming players from Manly who live in Western Sydney or whose family come from Western Sydney. Have we buggered up, basically, the, the opportunity to sign these, these two young guns who are not necessarily NRL superstars out of the box, but they certainly are uh, pretty highly rated across the country. I've mentioned several times before. The likes of the Bulldogs of all clubs again keeping an eye and Dolphins as well. I don't see how they fit at the Dolphins, to be honest, with Sean O'Sullivan, Katoa um, up there. They've got Milford up there and someone else. Nicarima. There was someone else as well, possibly, they were talking about another possible signing. But yeah, anyway, so look, from what I've read, it doesn't sound wonderful. It doesn't sound great with the their actual manager not being super impressed with the way the club is headed but whether or not that's a wake-up call to the club and that was that was sort of leaked out to let them know hey pick your game up a bit here because you're an option but you need to make sure that you look after these blokes i don't know but the answer is a pineapple in that regard they they have both of those boys are actually in the under 19 new south wales state of origin side which plays at redcliffe is it this weekend coming? Yeah, I think so. Possibly, yeah. So 
um, whenever that is, I'd be keen to watch. I'd be keen to almost uh, maybe go and watch that live up to see what the movements are happening in our lives at the time. But um, yeah, I don't think we'll hear anything on that for at least a couple of weeks at the earliest. And don't know, at, at certain times, people who nobody knows, to be honest, other than the two boys and the manager. Uh, but at certain points in time, we've seen that they were being a lock and lock them in for, for first grade next year. At other times, it's like, well, we're at the bottom of the pile and we've got no hope in hell, despite the fact that everything points to them coming to us. So, yeah, we'll have to uh, have to see how that one pans out. Yeah. It's funny that you say the club with no direction, all that stuff. <clears throat> Just want to uh, – we, we've talked about this at length, uh, probably more in our private in our, in our chat rather than on the pod, but, you know, the, the two leaders of the club um, – you know, there's that old saying: the the, the fish rots from the t- from the top. Um, you know, I'm not yeah. even. Yeah, same thing. The top's always the head. Um, the top of the fish is a dorsal fin, mate. Don't you know, you're not if you're holding, not if you're holding it upright, it's the head. It's still their top. If I hang you up by your ankles and shake you upside down, your feet aren't the top of you. At that point in time, they are. <laughs> Moot point. I'm not being. <laughs> Um, oh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a West uh, a Tiger Town podcast if we didn't go on a useless tangent. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been suggested um, that you know I'm not even bother trying to pronounce his last name because it just annoys me. We'll say Lee um, Lee Bryden. Had you been tell us? There we go. Had you been tell us? Uh, Lee Bryden. I'll just call him that. Um, he, that Brian's lawyer's um, sponsorship runs out at the end of this year. And at the end of this year, those two will step down. Um, and there has been suggestion how much uh, stock you put into it, who knows, uh, that the old New South Wales Premier might actually step into the role in Domin- Dominic Peru. Perite. Is it Perite? Peru? Perite. Perite. Yeah. Perite. Yeah, there's been a few names that have been mentioned up about that. Uh, I personally don't think that either of them will fall on their sword. And I actually think that, despite the fact that Lee loved the sound of his own voice, I think what he's done for the club has been amazing in that how much money he pours into the club. I think what Justin Pascoe has done in terms of his side in the administrative side, um, oh, sorry, I should say the financial side, to your point, He's, he's a chief financial officer instead of a CEO. But what he's done in terms of getting the club back in the black and getting a centre of excellence and all that sort of stuff has been nothing short of spectacular. It's allowed us in many ways to be able to have such an expansive coaching structure and pour so much money into development, all these sorts of things. The only thing that these blokes haven't overseen is a winning football side. That's all it is. If we were managed managed to pluck three superstars out of three other teams for whatever reason they signed on with us. We've got the money. We start winning football games. No one's talking about it. Literally no one is talking about them. You've got so many other clubs that have had their moments of being basket cases in the head office too and still won football games and no one no one spoke about it. Manly's infighting for the longest time was, you know, if it made the Tigers look like um, a playgroup some of the stuff that would carry on with Penn and the likes over there with their ownership system over there. But they were winning football games. And so it wasn't really a big thing until the, the Pride jersey fiasco last year sort of blew it up a little bit. But 
Uh, it's yeah. I don't want to make this a big admin admin pod, but um, I haven't heard what you're talking about. So that's that's news to me. So that's interesting. Uh, from what I've heard, those blokes aren't the types to fall on their sword, and the board is pretty set in concrete. And the fans and the members don't have any voting rights unfortunately it's just a unique set up there at West Ashfield who owns a majority stake in the club and it's just one of those situations where they are the immovable object so I don't know that anything drastic happens on board level this is just not my opinion um, moving forward but yeah uh, I don't know it'd be, it'll be interesting to see whether or not that is the case I don't agree that there's no direction of the club actually this club has has more direction now than it's had since probably 2011, in many ways. Uh, we know who the coach is and who the future coach is going to be. We know who all the gun juniors are and that they're all locked up. We know where the pastoral programs are. We know the names of our junior development officers, Shannon Galland, Matt Betsy, and Noddy was even doing some work around that. Uh, you know, we, we understand where this, this team is headed. They're just not winning football games at the moment because their squad sucks. Sometimes the media and commentators in general, and I understand we're commentators, I guess, in many ways because we're commenting on football, but sometimes too much gets made of all the one percenters around the football team when the bottom line really is how are, they, how are the teams being coached and who's in the squad? If you're, if you're coaching tactics a shithouse, like Madge, Jason Taylor, these likes, or and and or your squad sucks. You don't win football games. When you don't win football games, apparently everything is wrong with the club from top to bottom. I don't think everything's wrong with this club from top to bottom. I think the development structures are brilliant. I think the, the fact we're financially solvent and we're making good money is brilliant. I think our facilities are brilliant. I think that the amount of spending we're putting into the football department is brilliant. We just got a shit shitish squad that we're trying to improve and we're just not winning at the moment. So, I don't know, it's just another perspective, but I don't know how we got onto that from talking about the Fayunu boys, but, um, yeah, it's uh, just a different take, I think, and it's not to say that initiatives don't matter from board level down, from administrative level down, don't matter in a football club, and when a club isn't winning, that they don't have some sort of an impact, but... Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think at times it can be overstated. And if those blokes were failing in their jobs in terms of their job description, then you'd understand it. Or if the football team was winning, would people still be calling for Lee and, and Justin's head? No, they wouldn't. That's the bottom line. So the, the difference at the moment is one, our team is not winning football games. It hasn't for a while. Yeah, I can see that. But it's not as if this team and this squad and this administration and, and this club at large is not doing everything they can to not win football games. What club out there invests tens of millions of dollars, which is what it costs to run a football club, to not win footy games? Fucking zero of them. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know. sometimes you've got to step back a little bit, I find, and step back from the games a little bit. And, and I guess put some of this stuff in perspective. And I think <laughs> that, that that Cowboys game forced me to do that because I, I like everyone else, was very, 
very at my wit's end with, with what has been a really hard decade in following this side. And it's not something that is optional for us. It's something that is basically is in vitro with us, us Tigers fans. The, the true blue West Tigers fans, the one that it's just, it's in our veins and we can't do anything about it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I sort of took a little step away and, and didn't watch a replay of that Cowboys game. You can't blame me. And then watch the Sharks game a little bit more casually. And uh, yeah, I think that we take a deep breath and and sort of look look with one eye to the future, but with a maybe a hopeful sense is a little bit of an easier way to allow you to swallow it. That being said, I'm not immune to the pain of what's going on at the moment. All right. Yeah, Toby, I Toby's just ducked out to the loo for a moment. So I'll just I'll go through very quickly now. And I did go off on a bit of a tangent there, so apologies for that. But we do do that a little bit on the pod. Um, Toby's just back in there now. So I'll just throw it to you, mate. Did you want to add anything to that? Or are you happy for us to jump into the Knights preview? No, let's just jump into the Knights preview. I think we've talked enough about the admin. Sounds good to me, mate. So uh, at fullback, Jareen Buller, number one. We've got Kapoa and Junior Tupo on the wings. Stafford Toa and Tommy Talao in the centres. Will Smith, who ended up playing 5-8 last week, is starting in 5-8-6 this week. Brandon Wakem is the halfback. Steph Uto Ikamanu and David Klemmer are the props. Episode Kurosawa returns as uh, hooker and captain. Papali and Bateman are the edges, and Fanua follow lots of scrum. Jake Simpkin is the 14 replacement hooker. Bloor, Twal, and Seifarth round out the bench. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. In the extended... Reserves list, we had Dane Laurie, A.E. Tati James, Helen De Silva, Justin Matamua, and Brent Naden in number 22. Anything stand out there, mate, with the side this week? We spoke, no. obviously, a bit happy earlier. No, no. It looked like that's pretty much what... Uh, I, I think that's, you know, apart from probably Brooks being there, I think that's probably our strongest side we can put on the bench at the moment. I probably would even include that in the... Uh, in our centre pairing, um, Naden's been very underwhelming for me this year. Um, I think he played maybe four or five good games at the start of the year. And then he's just, yeah, he's made some very poor choices in defence. A lot of brain snaps. Um, mm. I think Talao's been, been average too, but he had a pretty good game last week. Yeah, I think he uh, that was his best game. I think that's his best game in West Tigers colours for me. Um. But yeah, no, it seems like it's stock standard. Um, but yeah, it's uh, very, very pleasing to see um, Appy back. Um, and yeah, like up against, you know, we know that what Ponga can do. Um, now he's back at fullback as well. Got that time, got that step. Having, you know, the the edges tied up the way that they are with Bateman and Probably back or probably he's never moved, but Bateman back on the edge. Well, that makes me less worried. Still worried about him. Excuse me. You know, Pong is a absolutely classy player. He's uh, an absolute game breaker. We know that, but having solid back rowers in there can definitely limit his time. So, mate, what do you see? You mentioned uh, Pong, obviously. Do they have any other major threats? The Newcastle Knights? Maybe Frizzell. That's it. I think uh, Hastings um, came out and said a couple of weeks ago he wants to get back to his running game. Definitely did that 
in the flogging of the Bulldogs. Uh, I think his running game was on point. He is a solid half. Um, he hasn't set the world on fire since going to the Knights. Um, and But I think that I'm hoping we have a point to prove, uh, you know, against them after the showing that we had last well, last time we played them, which was like round three, I think. Um, but yeah, no, not really. Other than Palmer, I think you know, gambles your natural pest that uh will get in the face of everyone. Um, best look, we won't even bother previewing Origin either. Um, but best got picked. I think you guys did it last week anyway, which is fine. Um, I. <sighs> Yeah, he can have a very good game when he wants to. I think this year he's had one, and off that one performance, he got an Origin jersey. But apart from that, no. The thing, I guess, who's back from injury is Dan Gagai. And Dan Gagai, we know the classy player he is, but he hasn't been that great this year either. So the only thing I can say is they've got a lot of players that can have good games, and generally those type of players have good games against us. So, yeah. Yeah, the types of players that stand out for exactly what you just said who tend to have a good game occasionally and it's against us, the likes of like Lachlan Fitzgibbon. Yeah. So yeah, Thompson had a big game earlier in the year. Tyson Gamble, same thing. You know, reserve grade half. Uh, five eight, I was going to say half. Who I think he had two or three tries against us earlier in the year. Uh, so, yeah, it's Dominic Young. You know, he's the type that could catch fire in a game and score two or three tries. Yeah, so it's obviously a dangerous game. We're obviously outside outsiders. We uh, we're coming last, so we're outsiders in just about every game we play at the moment. But uh, how do you see the game playing out, mate? Can you see us getting a win with Appy, with Appy back? We're definitely a chance. I think. Uh, yeah, I think he's just such a big inclusion. Um. It's going to be hard for me to say yes that we're going to win this game. I think that it's going to be closely contested. You know, if if we get some of those, you know, 50-50 calls go our way and the bounce of the ball somewhat goes our way, yes, I think we'll win. But again, you just never know. You never know who's in the bunker. You never know how things are going to go. Um, and it is in Newcastle. But at the same time, the Knights haven't been setting the world on fire in Newcastle either. So, look, <laughs> I'm going to say this with a bit of hesitation, but I'm going to say we're going to win. And I'm going to say we're going to win by eight. So I'm going to say 22-14. All right. Um, I've got the Knights as a bogey side. We've got a, several, and I think they're one of the, the bogey sides. Doesn't They've never been going very well since the early 2000s in many ways and it seems like every time we play them just about they tend to to get the better of us so yeah i i'm gonna actually say that we won't get them but it's one of those games where we definitely have the capacity to be competitive and and most certainly have the the potential to win the football match and as you said you know having happy in there as well makes a huge difference too so I'm going to say that we won't win, although I'm hopeful that we, we do. I'm going to say it's not going to be... I'm going to say it's a relatively close one. I'm, I'm going to say they get the jump early, as has been the case or our Achilles heel for most of this year. 
I'm going to say they go out to a two or three try lead early. We scrape it back to a try and they, they score a try or two at the end. So I'm going to say it's a 28-16 finish scoreline. Five tries to three is the end of the, the game, of which they start the game 12-0, 14-0, something like that. So I have to see how we go. Uh, the In the bold prediction front, I think, uh, sorry, I just didn't, you know, if you just heard me there a second ago, but I said that uh, I reckon that they'll get the jump early and uh, 12-0, 14-0, something like that. And we'll scrape it back to a, a try and then they'll, they'll score one or two late. I'm thinking something like 28-16. But I, I, said, I certainly think that we, uh, we are capable and a win is a possibility. We've just got to have a good game and have a bit of fortune. They're certainly, certainly very beatable in Newcastle, most definitely. Now, bold prediction time. You always get to go first. Ah. Always. So I'm going to say that this week we're going to have Jareen Buller, who's been a little bit quiet of late, have a bit of a stormer. I'm going to say he's going to have two clean line breaks. He's going to have one try assist and one try. But one of the line breaks is going to be nearly a full-length effort. In it's going to be a full uh, middle of the field, our end sort of, sort of break. Very cool. Look, I wouldn't be wouldn't be upset with that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't have to do my always prediction anymore. Like I said, that's done and dusted. Twelve's got the try. That's fine. Um, for me, I think um, the 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 return of Appy is going to actually see Appy score over from dummy half. He's going to bolt over. But also, I'm going to see him set up two tries, and it's going to be two crash plays. So who scores them? I think. Uh, well, I think it's going to be both our fronties. I think it's going to be Steph and Clemmer. It'd be good to see Clem get one against his old side. It would. Maybe over the top of a Jacko or something, just to rub a bit of salt in the wound from the stuff earlier in the year. Tommy Talao too, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, that'd be from good. The broke from the broke the broken jaw. Two broken jaws we've received from... No, I got a broken nose. Well, I got a broken nose. It was a broken nose, was it? Yeah. Right. Broken face or... Face yeah, broken face. Let's just say that. Hey, broke his face. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, that'd be good. And, yeah. At least, you know, it is nice to get into a game with against a bottom eight opposition, knowing that if we play well, we're every chance, which is a nice feeling because the last few weeks... At least, you know, Cowboys and Sharks, it's been pretty pessimistic heading into the game, particularly with the injuries we've had. It. Yeah, no, it's it hasn't been fantastic thinking about a game moving forward because we've had, we had Melbourne by um, Cowboys, Sharks. So teams that finished in the top four last year. So, yeah. you know, their quality. Yeah. So the, the Knights are probably spankers then because of all this positivity. Ah, let's just put some of that in the universe, eh? Let's just keep that going and, you know, maybe uh, maybe uh, luck will shine on us this uh, this Maybe the the footballing gods will actually bestow a little bit of good fortune our way. It's been a while since they have. It's been a while since they have. We are fucking due for it. (laughs) Yeah. Any final notes before we wrap the show up with the PSAs? Nah, nah. No final notes for me. Just glad to be back. Glad to talk about the Tigers. Um, really hoping for a win this week. I think that we are definitely deserved after that Sharks performance. 
Um, and hopefully, I think for the Knights, it's a it's a bad thing they had the bye after the the performance against the Dogs. I think they needed to keep that momentum going. So I'm actually glad they've had a bye. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be good to get one back on them and um, hopefully climb off the bottom of the ladder. Did we have the buy after the first Cowboys game? We did, didn't we? We did, yeah, yeah. And then we played the Raiders, yeah, and came and came out slow, yeah. Okay, it'll be interesting to see that. It's funny that we beat a team by sixty six, and then they beat a team. Or we we scored sixty six against the team, had a buy, and then they scored sixty six against the team and had a buy. Yep, and then we played at home and started slow. They're playing at home, hopefully start slow. And then we lost in Golden Point. And so hopefully they lose in Golden Point. No. I wasn't Golden Point, nearly Golden Point. Nearly Golden Point. Yeah. Right. They decided right, to well, work um, it to the left instead of trying for a field goal. It was great. Um, <laughs> so eight o'clock Friday night, McDonald Jones Stadium up there in Newcastle. Any Novocastrians in the area, get down, put on your white, black, and orange best and get down there and support the lads. We know that is as important as it ever has been to get out there and show them your full support, full support of the boys. Mate, uh, every week we, we mentioned the fact that there's two other podcasts that do things better than us. That is Westlife Podcast. That is the West Tigers Podcast. said last week, those two podcasts don't like each other, but we love them both because we love Tigers content and we think they all do great things. Go on over there to both of those podcasts, give them a listen and tell them who sent you, the boys from the Tiger Town Podcast. They're going to know who we are, no doubt. Mate, um, Facebook page, YouTube. Get on the Facebook page, Tiger Town Podcast, YouTube channel by the same name. Subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Make sure you make a comment. Keep sending DMs. Uh, we tend to get a handful a week, which is nice. And, uh, yeah, keep it coming. Keep that interaction stuff coming. It, it's a big thing. and It's wonderful feedback for us. This is a hobby for us. Uh, we love what we do, and we love the fact that people are, are genuinely letting us know they're enjoying, uh, enjoying listening to us each week, even if we're off on tangential rants, as it were. Mate, um, that's it for now. We've got a game on Friday night we can get a little bit excited for sitting here in my orange and black finest and uh, nothing else to say, mate, but go the Tigers. Go the West Tigers.